God is a good and a faithful God. <clears throat> I tell you, I am just beyond excited about this series that we're starting today. Um, this is, you know, I've, I've we've celebrated 30 years of ministry, so I've got I've got a lot of ministry experience. I've got a lot of life experience. I've been saved for uh, 40-something years. I was saved in 1977, so how many years is that? 42 years? Yes. 42 years that I've been born again. And um, so I have a lot of experience and a lot of experiences. And um, so <clears throat> a lot of what I share from the Word Sometimes I've been preparing for upwards of two years before I'll share it. Not, not always that long, but, but a lot of times it's, God will give me something and I'll kind of put it aside. This is, I've been working on for a good period of time, maybe over a year, close to a year and a half, this series and this message. Man, I mean, it's, it's deep in my heart. And I'm so glad you're here today. And I just encourage you, uh, we're going to stay on this until we're done, possibly through the month of October, that we will, that we will minister along this line. And um, the, title, <clears throat> the title of my message is, Your Life, You Choose. Your Life. You choose. You and I, in our lives, have the God-given privilege to choose the things that we do in life. Um, throughout this series, and today, I'm going to read a lot of Scripture, and some of it's going to be read really quickly because I'm not going to spend a lot of necessary time on it. We'll look at it in weeks to come. But I'm going to read a lot of scripture because I'm laying a solid foundation. I just ask you to really pay attention and follow with me because this is one of the most important messages I've ever preached. I've never preached a word even close to this. But it's vital that we get it out there because it, it is, I, I believe, truly the key to your success. We did a series on Wednesday night that we just ended this last Wednesday for about four months. And the title of it was No More Fear. And the information given in that series is vital. But this series is how to take the messages from that series and do something with it. And so today in our title, your life, you choose. I'm, I'm sharing with you how to experience and have what God wants you to have in your life. Several quotes that I'm giving you today. Um, that what, what this series is about is the components that go into how to be in control of where your life is going. The components that God wants you to have 
and operating in your life to know where your life is going. And I'm telling you today, you are in control of where your life is going if you have a relationship with God. Now, you're in control of where your life is going, you know, whether you know God or not. But I'm talking about you're the key to seeing you fulfill the things that God has for you to fulfill if you have a relationship with God and you know how to tap into His will for your life. It's vital. Just some other quotes that we'll, we'll talk about through this and, and just, just take mental notes of this. Even if you're taking notes and writing it down, write it down and, so that you remember these. You can change your life by changing your words. We, we, we just live in a, in a blaming society. It's everybody else's fault. It's, it, you know, if this didn't happen to me, if that didn't happen to me, if this person, if these people, you know, if I just lived in another town, another state, another this, another that, if I, if I just didn't have this boss, that boss, whatever, it's everybody else's fault. And what I'm going to talk to you about is how to take control of the direction of your life. No one else's fault. Another quote is, you can change the direction of your life by what you say. And I'm going to prove it to you throughout Scripture. You can change the direction of your life by what you say. And the last quote I have for you just today, and we'll, we'll talk about these throughout the series, is negative words tolerated cause negative words to be spoken. The more you tolerate the negative world, the more you allow it in and allow it to settle, it will cause your words to be negative. God wants us to be positive people, but He wants us to be people of His Word. And I'm going to show you how vitally important it is in your life. Can you say amen to that? So today, I want to start with, with this passage of Scripture, and this will be one of the probably two or possibly three foundational Scriptures that we'll read um, every time. And today I'm going to read the first ten verses of James chapter 3. The first ten verses of James 3. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that you shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in word, or one translation says, in what he says, he is a perfect or a mature man, able also to bridle the whole body indeed. Uh, the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at the ships, although they are large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires it to go. Even so, the tongue is a little matter and boasts of great things. So in this story, he's comparing the tongue 
to the bit in a horse's mouth and the rudder of a ship. But you can put a bit in a horse's mouth and the horse can stay tied up and the bit does nothing. Not until somebody gets on the horse and begins to direct the horse. So is your tongue the steering wheel, if you will, of your life that you are in control of. Listen to the next five verses here. I'm just going to read them real quickly because I want you to see the, the last part of the last verse. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a, fi- a forest a little fire kindles. One match. One word. One thing that you say is what James is talking about here is vital. Every word that comes out of our mouth. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. And I'll just tell you, as you read this and you read it in a defining way, what he's really talking about is, I can't control your tongue. But I can control my tongue if I let the Holy Spirit show me what I need to say. Can you say amen? That's really what he's saying. We'll look at that deeper as we, as we, read, as we read through this. No man can tame the tongue. It is unruly, evil, and full of deadly poison. With it we bless God our Father, and with it we curse men who have, who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Brethren... These things ought not to be. Bless God on Sunday morning. Father, I love you. I thank you. I thank you. And then all through the week, just talking bad about everything. He said it ought not be that way. You know what ought not means? It's a no-no. It's not good. You know why? Because God knows what's going to destroy you in my life and keep us from fulfilling what he put us here for. That's why. It's not like God's after us and he's mad at us. No, he knows what's going to happen. We don't correct what we say. He said in verse 2, same as a perfect man. Now, um, what I defined in that verse 2 where he said, if anyone does not stumble in, in word, he is a perfect or mature man, able to bridle or control the whole body by his words. Now, I'm just telling you today that through this series, God is going to challenge you to take what I'm teaching to you and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal this. You've got to believe that words are everything in the direction of your life. You have to believe this. But you have to have scripture on it. So that's why today I'm reading a lot of scripture because I'm building a foundation for the rest of what I'm going to share. But he said, the person that never says the wrong thing, same as a perfect man, that word perfect means to be accomplished, to be completed, a a, a completed man, able to steer his whole life, as we talked about the horse and the ship. Able to control or steer 
or maneuver his whole life by the words that he speaks, by believing in what he says. And I'm going to show you the rest of this, in, in the rest of this message, what that really looks like. <clears throat> Did God ever say anything that he didn't mean? No. And so what he's, what he's telling us is, is that he's got more confidence in us than we have in ourselves of our ability to speak the right thing or he wouldn't say we'd had the ability to do it. He thinks more highly of you and I than most of us think about ourselves. But I declare today, that's changing. How many believe with me today? We're not going to be people that don't believe in ourselves the way God believes in us. <clears throat> so, another thing that, I'm, that, I, that I want to interject here. Change... To change your words, you have to change your thoughts. But you'll never change your thoughts if you don't change your words. So, you ever see the little cartoons with the little cloud? Anybody ever seen that cartoon? Those cartoons? Okay. So, it's a little cloud. So what, 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 what does the cloud say? What? Say it real loud. Okay, so the cloud, the thought is saying, uh, I will never. So I will never what? I'll never accomplish this or that. I'll never have enough. Uh, I'll never be good enough in a situation. I'll never have that good job that I really want paying what I want. I'll never have that house like the next person. I'll never have the right spouse if you're not. I'll never have this or that. I'll never, never, never. The thoughts come. And the only way to combat thoughts is with words. You'll never combat thoughts with thoughts. So, if I'm thinking this right now, I will never. You'll never beat that with that won't beat that. You know what will beat that? This. 1 John 4.4 4. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God is more than enough. Concerning what? That I will never measure up. I will never have enough. I will never accomplish this. I will never. And listen, folks, this stuff is real. I mean, it's a cute little cloud that was cut out, but I'm telling you, these thoughts are real. That's what destroys most people and keeps people from receiving all that God has for them. They're real. You'll never combat thoughts 
with thoughts. You'll only combat thoughts with words. And why would we use words of the world or the way the world thinks to combat the negative thoughts we already have? It has to be God's Word. God's Word has to be coming out of my mouth constantly on a regular basis so that I get rid of the I never. Because every time that you face something in life that has to do with, it may not be I never, it may be something else. And we'll look at other thoughts through this series. But every time that some type of thought like that comes because of what you see, what you hear, people you're in contact with, people you're competitive with, people that that intimidate you, people that make you feel certain ways, those thoughts keep your words negative and negative thoughts tolerated become negative thoughts, negative words spoken. Negative thoughts and words that we tolerate and we meditate on, then we find ourselves speaking those things. God wants you and I liberated of that so we can fulfill his purpose and his plan. What I want you to believe by the end of this series is that what you say, what you believe in what you say, matters. And it is actually the steering wheel of your life. And your hands are on it. It's not the captain of the ship that's direct, that, that is, that is the, the, the power that's moving that ship. It's his direction, his purpose, his plan is moving that rudder. The guy, the guy on the horse, he's not the bit. He's moving the horse by the bit. And so is the tongue. The tongue is that steering wheel. It is the reins. It is that whatever the, the captain on the ship has that's directing the ship in the direction that it's going, the steering wheel that he has. That's what the tongue is. That's what you have to see. Can you say amen to that? <clears throat> so, So what I want to do is, and just follow with me, you'll like this when I'm done with it. I want to look real quickly in Genesis 1, and I want to look at some foundation of how God set this up, okay? And and it's important that you see how the Bible fits like a puzzle. The pieces fit together. If you don't understand God's plan for you and how the pieces fit, your natural mind will talk you out of it. Guaranteed, your natural mind will talk you out of it. Because because God's plan is not a natural plan. It's a supernatural plan that has to be kind of broken down into a natural plan so that we can put the plan to work. But you have to understand it from a spiritual perspective. 
It will not make sense with the natural mind. And your natural mind will never allow the scriptures to fit the way they were created to fit. Now, I'm going to start out. I'm going to show you something today that I've never seen before. I mean, it, 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 this, this astonished me. And I've never seen this before. You've never heard me share this or define this before. But in Genesis 1-1, in Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. What was he doing? In my estimation and opinion is, he knew what he was there to do, but he was hovering and meditating. God meditates. That's why he's encouraged us to meditate his word. He meditates. And he was hovering and he was meditating. And in his hovering and meditating, he was getting his vision clear. Well, God already had his vision clear. Well, why, why didn't he just, why did he tell us he was hovering? He was hovering for a purpose. And, and in his purpose, he's clear on what he's fixing to say. God wants you and I clear in what we say when we say it. He wants you and I to be clear. And I want you to notice when he got clear what he said. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light and it was good and, and all that, that he liked about that. And then in verse 6, God said, let there, be a, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And that was all good and that's what he want. <clears throat> then, then in verse 9, then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered into one place and and, and let the dry land appear. So in verse 3 and verse 6 and verse 9, he commanded things to be. And the word be in the Hebrew is the word haya. Or at least that's the way the dictionary said it when I had the dictionary speak it. Haya. The Hebrew word haya is the word be, and it is to accomplish, to cause, to happen, to come to pass, to be complete. Haya. So when God said, let there be light, let there be the firmament, let there be, uh, 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 what was the other one I said? Let there be forgot where I was. Nobody else remembers? No? The firmament and the waters. Let the waters be. So, as God said, let these things be, and they were, what was accomplished was what he said would happen. Not what 
some good idea that he just thought or he got from someone else. It was his plan. And what God wants is for us to understand his plan so that what we speak directs our life the way that all of the earth was manifested by the words that came out of his mouth. Now, I want to kind of just take this little journey. Just bear with me because I'm going to get past this. But I'm going to read 15 verses out of Exodus 3. And there's something here that's pretty astonishing to me. Um, in Exodus 3 and verse 1, Moses is about 80 years old. And he's, he's with his wife's father. He's working for him. Jethro, his father-in-law. Every time I see that word Jethro, I think of Jethro Bodine. <clears throat> anyway, some of you don't even know who Jethro Bodine is. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire. But the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, for I have come to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and a large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Am Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Now, there, now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh. It's kind of like Moses right there, Bormia? I mean, you're going to send me to this, to do this kind of thing? What? He, here God is telling him all this information, and now he's going, you're the man. Right? So, Moses said to God, he said, I, I, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the children of Israel, out. But Moses said to God, who am I? Everybody say that. Say it again. Who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you when you have brought the people of e out of Egypt and shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? 
what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Say, that's to us also. All generations is this a memorial. So, Moses says this, who am I? God says in so many words, without me, you're nothing. Moses says, so when I tell them that it's, that it's the God of their fathers, who do I say sent me? What is your name to them? And he said, I am. You tell them that I am sent them. Put the Hebrew definition of the word of the of the the word am with I in front of it. Put that definition up for me. Light be because I am. I am and be are the same exact Hebrew word. I am said it, so Moses, you ask, who am I? Well, when you go talk to the people, you don't want to talk from who you are. You want to talk from who I am. And when I am has sent you to tell the people I'm leading them out, then what I am has already established is, you're free, be. It's a done deal, be. You're coming out, be. But what do they have to do? They've got to believe what he said. And I want you to think about this, because you may be one of these. And if you are, today is the first day of the rest of your life to get free from what I'm fixing to say right now. They struggled, but they believed him to get out of Egypt. What is Egypt? Bondage. They struggled, but they believed him to get out. But when God, I mean, these people left with all the riches of Egypt. They get out there, you know, two, three, four days out. There weren't any, there wasn't a North Star Mall. You know, there wasn't a Chili's or Cracker Barrel or Ruth Chris Steakhouse to spend all their millions that they had. And so all of a sudden they started complaining. And they complained. And they complained. And they sent the spies. And what did God say about sending the spies? I'm sending you not to go see if you can take the land. I'm, going, I'm sending you 
to go see the land I've given you. They come back, and other than Joshua and Caleb, the other ten, it was moaning and groaning and complaining about how bad the situation was. But many people today, many, many people who have come out of certain bondages in their life, but they never stay connected to God long enough and to the process and the plan to get enough of God in them so that they can enter into the promises. Most of the people that came out of Egypt never entered the promised land. And yet, what the scripture says is, he didn't lead them out to leave them in the wilderness to teach them something. It was an 11-day journey from where they left to where they entered. 11 days they could get there if they just made a straight path. So what if it had taken three months, six months, maybe a year? Didn't have to take 40. And you know what? It doesn't have to take that time with us in our lives. It doesn't have to take all that time if we learn how to trust the God that is in us. When we learn how to trust Him and we learn how to direct our words that come out of our mouth, then what comes out of our mouth begins to direct and steer the life that God had for us. Why didn't God just set it up where He did it all? Lord, we get saved and we sit back and let You do all the work. Well, He's already done all the work. Now what we're doing is we're positioning ourselves to learn how to be on the receiving end of the things that he's done for us. Not always talking about what hasn't happened. God doesn't want a people on planet earth talking about, you know, someday in the sweet by and by or someday when, you know, God wants us to be people that are receiving and having manifestations in our life of the goodness of God. But it takes tapping the plan. And the plan I'm talking about today is our words. So Moses said, who am I? In essence, God said, without me, you're nothing. But in essence, what he said is, with me, you can do it all. And he led him out successfully. But Joshua had to lead him in. I don't know about you, I don't want anybody else. I want everybody to receive their promises, but I don't want anybody else receiving what was promised to me. And people can live and die and go to the grave and not fulfill the plans that God has for them. Today I'm telling you, and in this series, I'm giving you a plan of how God gets you behind the wheel that He set up and teaching you with your mouth how to direct your life. Most important series that I've ever taught. So, two more things that I want to say. And I'll tie this up. Proverbs 18 and verse 20. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. 
Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The message in these two verses says, words satisfy the mind as much as fruit does the stomach. Good talk is as gratifying as a good harvest. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Your life, you choose. What we say and how we say it. Psalm 34 and verse 12 says, Who is the man that desires life and who loves many days that he may see good? How many of those people I have in here today? That you desire life, you love many days, a lot of days, long life, in other words, and to see good in that life. Why live here a long way, a long time, and not see the goodness of God? How many in here today, you say you're a candidate for that right there? Amen? I, 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 that's what I love to see. That's what I want to see. Here's the way to do it. He gives you the complete answer right here. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit or dishonesty, or lies. In the, the New Testament, Peter quotes this. 1 Peter 3 and verse 10. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil or say the wrong things. James said, the man who never says the wrong thing, do we have the capability? Do, do I have to speak something wrong sometime the rest of today? I'm just saying you don't. But you've got to believe that you can be, that you're the one in the driver's seat of controlling the things that come out of your mouth. Do, do you have to say the wrong thing anytime tomorrow on Monday? Or Tuesday? Do I have to say the wrong thing? Am I, am I entering into each of those days just expecting, you know what, I might as well cuss now to get it over with? Or something. <laughs> no, I don't have to say the wrong thing. The man that doesn't say the wrong thing can control everything that his body, that his life does. He's the one with the steering wheel. But the steering wheel is controlled by the very small... Will I control what I say? And will I control how I say? And what is at stake? What's at stake? Jesus said, the works that I did, you'll do, and even greater things, because now I've gone to the Father. Anything that Jesus did, he said, because the same Spirit that lived in him and that raised him from the dead is the same Spirit that lives in us. What caused Jesus to overcome was his connection to the Holy Spirit. 
My connection and my trust to the God that's inside of me is the key to the direction of my life because he's got the plan. But I can't every day say all kinds of things, just let anything roll out of my mouth. As he said in James 3, it's, it, it can't be that way that you bless God and thank God and you speak evil of people created in the image of God. It can't be that way. It doesn't work. It hinders the outcome of your destination. How many in here today, raise your hand when, you, when I say this. How many in here can say, you have vision for your life. With that vision, there's a direction. You can have vision for something, but if you don't get your mind in line, that, if, if, I mean, if, if you don't get your mind and your tongue in line, and the combination of those two in line, then you'll think thoughts that will cause words to come out of your mouth that are hindering where you're going. God set it up that way. Everything that I've talked about today, there's so much more, but everything that I've talked about and given to you today has to do with the direction of your life, and you have the capability of changing the direction of where you're going right now by changing what you say. Death and life are in the power of what you say. Those who love it will eat the fruit of it, whether it's death or life. You're eating, you are experiencing the fruit of your mouth today, one way or the other. I'm saying today is the day to make changes. I can change the direction of my life by changing my words, because he said so. Can you say amen? So, today I want to end with these two passages in the same chapter. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 1. <clears throat> and, and a lot of this series, we're going to talk about this word in a lot of places. From Genesis to Revelation, you're going to see this word that we define today. <clears throat> the word be and I am. But in Matthew 8 and verse 1, in, in this passage here, we're going to read two different accounts, and you're going to see that word, the same exact word as what was spoken in the beginning when God said, light be and light was. When he, Jesus, had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him, and behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put his hand and touched him, saying, I'm willing, what's the next word? Be, 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 light be. Be cleansed. Body, be healed. Jesus said, the works that I do, you'll do an even greater because I've gone to the Father and now at the right hand of the Father, I'm representing everything that you say. Yeah, but God, who am I? As Moses said. Well, without me, you're nothing. But with me, you can say everything that I said and if you believe it, 
It'll come to pass just like it came to pass with me. I'm willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, go your way and show yourself to the priest and all. Jesus said, I am said, I can say, be healed. Because when he said, be healed, he was saying what I am would say in that situation. Yeah, but that was Jesus. Well, in the weeks ahead, we're going to look at a lot of people that said something be, and it was. But if you look at Jesus as the living word, the exalted God of heaven, the third part of the triune being, that's one thing. But if you see Jesus leaving the, pot, the, the riches of heaven and coming to the poverty of this earth to be connected to us and becoming the son of man, our elder brother, the perfect example for us to follow, then whatever he said, I can say, and I can get the same results he got. But I have to believe that the I am told me to say, be something, and see that be come to pass. Listen to me. What I'm sharing with you today, I mean, I, I got cold chills when I say this. What I'm sharing with you today is what's missing on planet Earth. I'm not saying it's not happening in different places, but where things are not changing, it's because of the lack of this. And the thing, what this takes to operate in your and my life, is true humility, understanding. It's not because of me. It's me believing that he is who he said he is. The faith that overcomes the world that I've been giving, that I've been given, whoever's born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes every situation like this, is my faith in the fact that he overcame. So when my faith is in he is, he is what? He's healing and prosperity and whatever it is that needs to manifest. When I believe that He is and I command what He said can be commanded to be, then it has to do exactly what it did for Jesus with this guy with the leprosy. Or He's not true to His Word. And I promise you, He's true to His Word. You know what? I'm not going to even ever say that again. I I'm sorry for saying that. Well, if that's not going to happen, then he's not true. No, God's true to his word settled. It's not even an option. Verse 13, you know the story of the Roman centurion? Jesus said the greatest faith in all of Egypt he saw in the Roman centurion. In verse 13, he says this to the centurion. After he's, he's, he's enthralled with the faith that this centurion had. Don't, you don't need to come to my house. Speak the word, and my servant will be healed. Watch this. Mm. Jesus said to the centurion, you, 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 know, you, know what, you, know what, you know what happened was? Jesus got so amazed because the centurion tapped into what I am wanted to happen. I am didn't want Jesus to have to go and go to his house and 
spend all the time and talk about all these kind of things. He just wanted somebody to believe that it was going to happen. And that's why Jesus was so, oh, oh, that's what I'm looking for right there. Come here, come follow my, my 12 disciples and show them how to do this. He, he, was, he was just taken back. Yes, that's what I want right there. And what did he say? He said, go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed in that hour. In that hour. Right then. His servant was healed right then. Not later on, his servant was healed right then. Why? Because he believed that I am empowered Jesus and everything that Jesus said came to pass. Somebody, sometimes you look at things like that and you think, did Jesus have to say, let it be done? That's where the guy's faith was. Couldn't it just happen? A lot of times we want things just to happen. But there's got to be some words from the I am mixed in to circumstances changing and now Jesus isn't here anymore except through you and I and now it's got to happen in us. We have to believe. He said, as you believe, so it's done. Let it be with your servant. And he was healed that moment. That hour, right then, he was healed. Why? Because he believed that what Jesus said happened. You remember when Jesus told, you know, doubting Thomas? You know, Thomas got a bad rap. You know? Who's going to believe Who's going to believe what Thomas was told? And, uh, you know, everybody was going to doubt that. Everybody's going to doubt what Thomas doubted. Most people would doubt that. But Jesus said to him, it's good that you believed when you saw it and when I said it, you know, like right now, but it's even greater to believe without having to see it. It's even greater. And what God's teaching us about and what he's growing us up into is to be people that believe in every word we speak. If you have, if you have symptoms in your physical body, if you have symptoms that are in your body, and you're always talking sick, you're always talking about being sick. You're always focused on the symptoms. You're always focused on how to recover from the symptoms. I mean, anybody that has symptoms wants to recover. But you've never learned to put your words from God's word on your situation first and foremost. If you never do that, and you're constantly focused on how you feel and how it looks, you'll never begin to see results change God's way. 
Because God's all about words. Do whatever you're doing physically and in the natural realm. But begin to put the word and what God says. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is that God sent his word, his living word, Jesus Christ, and he healed me. I, I, I can't get that out of my, I can't get that out of, well, why would I want to? I mean, that's just always on me. It's always in my mind. He sent his word and he healed me. I am healed. Man, the other day I was doing something and I came down off of a ladder and ah, my back jerked. Oh, and man, it jerked and I felt that in my back and, you know, I had to tell my wife I was really hurting and, uh, and you know, and, and, and my back hurt like that and all of a sudden, you know, from within me, no, no, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. I did some stretches, I did some things to correct that, but I'm healed in the name of Jesus. I'm not accepting this. I'm not accepting that. I'm not allowing the circumstances to remain. He sent his word and he healed me no matter what happens or what comes against me. You might say, yeah, but you know, yeah, go take a couple aspirin, that'll relieve or do all. Yeah, do, do whatever you're going to do, but put the Put the word first. I'm not talking about not doing things in the natural. I'm just saying, put the word first. God, I thank you that you healed me. You liberated me. My body is well today in the name of Jesus. And I could be like this. I'm healed and I'm well in the name of Jesus. Then over time, when you begin to believe those words and you're commanding certain things to be, they be. But if you don't practice it, you don't develop it, you don't allow your words coming out of your mouth to be guarded and allowing the Holy Spirit to put a watch and cause you to be challenged on everything that comes out of your mouth, then you're just going to be a loose cannon and what will be will be. Que sarah. Some days it'll be one way and some days it'll be the next. Man, I want to know about the promises of my day. Today, the Lord has made and I will rejoice and I'll be glad in the day and I'm declaring that out of my mouth with expectation in a great day. Right? I'm not talking about trying to be a cheerleader. I'm, I'm talking about believing in the promises of God and what God has promised me. The children of Israel were led out of the bondage. But most of them were never led into the promises. Why? Because of their mouth. Their mouth is what kept them out. Complaining, moaning, and groaning, and never accepting God for who he was. Trusting the God that was with them. He wasn't in them. He was with them today. That God's in us.